for having me uh we are at minute 44 of knives out uh we are still setting up marta's alibi um this has been a, a really lengthy sequence but uh it's a uh, good done a good job of uh building up uh you know suspicion as to whether or not she's telling the truth um you know, we want Marta to be telling the truth because she's sort of the audience surrogate here. Uh, but as we know, with the um, the nature of murder mysteries, you know, it is possible that you know behind that innocent face is a cold-blooded killer. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentions that uh, whenever she lies, she pukes, which is uh, an adorable adorable character trait um you know when i lie i just get really sweaty <laughs> uh you know alice what happens when you lie you have any sort of like... oh my god i don't know if i could yeah if i lie i just get maybe like giggly or i i know like my i have a friend who's missing like her lotion or something and she was asking you know did i accidentally take it home or did i take it or you know kind of that sort of thing and i just i i didn't but like i already feel so guilty at the thought (laughs) that i'm already like "Ah!" and she's like alice what did you do i'm like i I promise i'm just really nervous i didn't i didn't take it (laughs) yeah i i would never be able to to commit a crime because <laughs> I would just like I would break down just yeah. the minute a, like the, like a police detective tried to try to interrogate me I'd just be like, yeah I did do it I'm sorry or yeah <laughs> I'd be like maybe did I did I because if you I mean if you tell me maybe I forgot and I did it yeah oh yeah I could be easily convinced that I committed a crime <laughs> <laughs> you know that, that's how that's how you know that that's how easily manipulative I am in these situations <laughs> it's like all right I did it just stop yelling at me <laughs> But yeah, this scene is mostly dialogue. Um, again, we get a few a few more seconds of Harlan trying to convince Marta that you know, pretending going to this elaborate scheme to you know escape from the house, come back, disguise herself as him momentarily, you know, climbing down the trellis, trying not to get seen by anybody, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is the best way to keep her safe from getting in trouble for accidentally giving the wrong medication. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that uh, um, Harlan has has advised her to just sort of uh, explain what happened in segments, so she's not technically lying. Um, brilliant, she, brilliant! Right. What a brilliant yes. idea! Just speak in fragments, yeah. Yes, which which possibly would work. Um, uh, so she tells she tells Benoit Blanc that uh, basically everything up to the point where she gave Harlan the wrong medication. Mm-hmm. You know, she told him that you know she, she took care of him for the evening, gave him his medication, and that she left. So if she's lying about anything, it is lying by omission. She has not told him that she gave Harlan the wrong medication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Benoit is kind of staring at her like he sort of doesn't think she's telling the truth, but at the same time, he doesn't really know what to nail her on just yet. 
Um, so I think, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's mostly dialogue, so I, I don't know if I have anything to really add about, you know, the, the framing of the scene or, or how it's done. You know, it's all, you know, we're still in the, the setting up of the mystery phase, which is interesting because you, you pointed out that we're more than 40 minutes into the movie at this point. And, and we're still, you know, building potential plots and setting up possible red herrings and, and you know, kind of still, you know, dropping, you know, breadcrumbs for the audience to possibly follow. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, other than a, a what feels like a, a not particularly significant piece of dialogue turns out to be very significant. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have anything you want to to uh, add about the scene and your thoughts on it? Um, I, I was going to say, like, how old is Anna de Armas? I know it was only just, like a few a few years ago. I say it like it was a hundred years ago, but how old was she in this movie? Because uh, it's it's yeah. because she just she has this very like childlike you know innocence and this wide eyed like just you know the way that she's speaking and it's it's really. It it really like threw me when I was like, oh no, this is a. I believe she's in her thirties. She's actually she was actually like late twenties when she did this. Late twenties. I was gonna say because yeah. and then she was dating Ben Affleck, and I was like, she's not a you know teenager at all. <laughs> yeah, no, she. Uh, I think you know a lot of us do. She has you know these big eyes and and, yeah. and you know her her. This is the first movie. I, I think well, no, I I try to remember when I saw uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. She was in that mm-hmm. too, but yeah. playing a, a very she was basically like like Ryan Gosling kind of virtual girlfriend in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she didn't really have a, a a lot to do except you know, look sexy in that. So yeah. um, this is a again a, a very a very different role. She's yeah, kind I was of, gonna say yeah, there's no sex appeal. No, no, no. She kind of you know she's dressing kind of a little frumpy and 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 well, I mean, she's a nurse, so there's no reason for her to. Yeah, you know, she's gonna wear like comfortable clothing and and you know, you know nothing that you know is gonna be that she can't you know wash easily and she spills something on it. You know yeah. she dresses like a nurse would dress, especially a home care nurse. Um, you know, but you know, she doesn't appear to be wearing a lot of makeup. You know, the the you know it's it's very you. Know, I mean, she's beautiful, but not you know they don't sexualize her or anything, which is yeah. which is good. You know, she looks convincing as you know a home care nurse. Um, but yeah, you know, she her body language is very much like you know someone who's you know you, you know, I, I don't know if I want to use the word naive, but but. You know, she's believe. If up to this point we were supposed to not be sure she's telling the truth, she's very believable as someone who is trying to hide something, but not in a if, if it make any sense, not in a negative or destructive way. Mm-hmm. You know, she she you know she doesn't look she doesn't seem very sly or anything. Like I wouldn't think she's someone who who seemed capable of lying. You know, she's yeah, very, she's she's very you know. You know, innocent, not just in a you know criminal sense, but you know she doesn't seem like someone who's been out in the world very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not even sure if she did accidentally. You know, I mean, if she did accidentally kill Harlow by giving wrong medication, I don't know if it would have occurred to her to lie. Oh, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that she would. I think that she, you know, you. Know, would be honest, and you know, it would get her family in trouble. So she's kind of like, like, well, maybe like, like fight or flight. She would just, she probably would have ran away if she had really. Yeah, at the at the most, it. yeah. But I don't think that she certainly would. She certainly wouldn't have come up with an elaborate scheme to oh, to, no. to to cover up what she did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, was this your 
is this your only Ryan Johnson, or how many other of his movies have you seen? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have. I mean, of course, I mean, I heard that he got some flack for the Star Wars Last Jedi thing. I've only seen one Star Wars. <laughs> I think it was whatever, the 2015 one or something like that. First time I've ever seen one. I saw it for a podcast, which is what I do all the time. <laughs> I just watch a film I haven't seen for a podcast. Um, that was very interesting, but I haven't seen the one that he directed. I've heard of Looper. I heard it's good. I mean, I'm a very, like, I love comedy, romance, or kind of what I prefer, you know, genre-wise, and I don't believe Looper is those things. Um, but... Yeah, that's a uh, Looper. Looper is, uh, is pretty straight sci-fi. Um, oh, sci-fi, it, it, yeah. it's, it's good. Um, now, I love The Last Jedi, uh, the, the Star Wars movie he directed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and and I am a I am a, a Star Wars fan. I mean, I'm not like you know psychotic about it, like mm-hmm. like you know a lot of people on the internet are. But you know, I, I have seen them all and and you know several times. And and I I love the Last Jedi. I thought of the of the the three newer movies that was by far the best one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Rise of Skywalker, uh, which was uh, um, sort of the follow up to that. Um, was giving into a lot of what the you know, the, the more her, you know, toxic fans wanted, mm-hmm. and and to me it, it really suffered for it. Uh, I mean, I'm not the first person to say that. I'm just you know I'm just giving my opinion here. Uh, I, I feel that the the that it wasn't really written by someone who or directed by someone who really you know particularly cared about the franchise i think it was you know well we mm-hmm. need to get fans butts and seats so you know let's you know let's see what these you know online bullies are saying and mm-hmm. maybe uh and maybe you know give into it a little bit and of course that's how you end up with the uh, um uh, uh justice league with that whole rigmarole of of you know audiences demanding that a studio make a different version of the movie because the, the one that they got wasn't the one that they wanted. Um, you know, now, in this case, uh, the Zack Snyder cut ended up being better than, than, than the Joss Whedon cut, but, you know, at the cost of, you know, a lot of people being harassed by fans of the movie, and that shouldn't have happened. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, the, you know, the discourse over uh, The Last Jedi got very ugly. Yeah, uh, and ran probably you know turned off a lot of fans to the to the series at that point because basically because you know I don't want to be associated with these people you know <laughs> I mean, you know where where um, they were you know and this happens with a lot of movies that are you know led by female characters like uh, Birds of Prey is another one that really struggled with a you know toxic fan base where they were basically. Um, go on Rotten Tomatoes and, and rate the movie down. Um, so, so that you've got like a, a, you know, 75%, you know, positive rating from critics and like 20% from, from, you know, regular fans. And it's like, okay, something is wrong here. People are, are, you know, going in deliberately giving this a bad rating. And there were like whole planned things of this where people would just basically, you know, bomb websites giving you know, bad ratings so you know, in the end I don't know how much it impacted because the movie still made a lot of money <laughs> and and you know a lot of people you know myself included consider it the best of the, the three newer movies but 
again, it was at the cost of making, you know, online discourse about movies a little less fun. And, and, and I feel like it, you know, it, I mean, you must, you, you presumably talk about movies a lot. I mean, do you yeah. find that it's not as fun now as it used to be? In, in what way? Like more, more like, you know, on like social media. Oh, on social media. Um, a little bit. I think I, you know, I, I want to kind of get into more of the, the discourse. I know sometimes like there's a, a movie podcast that I listen to. Um, I mean, it's, like they they don't talk about like just one movie like they talk about you know different films and the you know the academy awards and they interview actors and directors and everything and i know like there's some movies that they talk about it and i'm just like this just feels so pretentious i mean i you know mank i don't know if you saw mank came out on on netflix recently and i had never seen citizen kane so then i watched citizen kane and i didn't really like it and i didn't really like mank that much but, you know, the way people speak about Mank, you know, you'd think it's this fantastic, you know, wonderful film. But it, it's a little bit, it's, it's just a little bit too, I don't know. Sometimes I think with these award award season films, like we're, we're getting a little bit too pretentious, you know, or, or, you know, Hollywood's patting themselves a little bit too much on the back. Well, the, you know, they, that's... That's the thing. I mean, if you're making, if you, the number one way you can, you know, make a movie that's going to get nominated for an Academy Award is to make a movie about making movies. Yeah. Because cause they, they love that. They, that's always, like, like you know, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it kind of goes both ways. You know, the people who, who, you know, insist that, you know, a certain movie is the greatest movie of all time. Yeah. You know, can be, you know, very obnoxious. But so are the people who, you know, when you... <laughs> You know, you tweet or go on Facebook and you say you like a certain movie will, you know, come in and, you know, tell you that they don't think that movie's very good. And, and, and it's just, you know, there's a difference between having a friendly debate and someone just sort of, you know, pushing their opinion on you without without it being asked for. I, I don't mind discussing the merits, you know, and, and drawbacks of certain movies, mm-hmm. but, you know... It, there's a time and place for it. I don't always feel like having a debate. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if I if I tweet something, that's not an invitation for someone to tell me that I'm wrong or that this movie's better or that you know my taste is bad. I mean, I know my taste in movies is bad. You know, <laughs> I mean, I know that. You know, I mean, but but you don't have to point that out to me. Um, what I was surprised about with uh, um, Knives Out is that. Um, because it did come out after The Last Jedi, is that I don't think it, you know, as, as virulently angry as you know, so-called Star Wars fans were about what Ryan Johnson supposedly you know, did to to you know the plot and how it you know how it treated Luke Skywalker and you know et cetera et cetera. I, it didn't carry over into Knives Out. I, I don't. I never heard of anybody, you know, trying to ratings bomb it or, or you know, declaring that you weren't going to see it because Ryan Johnson wrote directed it. Um, it's sort of like you know, as long as he is removed from doing anything having to do with Star Wars, he's okay. Whereas you know, some filmmakers just you know that sort of toxicity follows them wherever they go. I am super surprised how short his resume is. I mean, yeah, he, he is... he's fairly new to filmmaking, especially wow. for, for someone for someone you know being in their their late forties. Wow, 
I mean, I'm seeing, I feel like, which is kind of what I what I recognize. I mean, I've, I haven't seen it, but the brother's bloom looks really cute. Just, yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's only he's only been uh, active in filmmaking for fifteen years. Wow. And he has very yeah very very uh, you know, limited resume. Like there was a mm-hmm. there was a uh, a five year gap between when he made Looper and when he made the Last Jedi. Wow. So I mean, that's pretty good that that you know based on you know two movies, well three movies because one one of them was a concert film. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or only one of them. Oh no, I'm sorry. Four movies. Uh, uh, you, know, he, he was just given. You know, go ahead, direct a Star Wars movie. <laughs> you know, like, and it's a pretty, what? it's a pretty remarkable thing. Or how did he even get the, the all these big stars for night for Knives Out? I mean, that's really impressive. I, I think you know, certainly if I had been, uh, you know, if I had you read the script, I would have gone for it. It's delightful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, anyway, yeah, whoever a a goat could direct it, I I do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think that you know you know, a lot of the people in it had you know done a lot of genre work. Like you know, Chris Evans was pretty much you know you know kind of stuck in the you know the the, the Marvel fold at that point. Yeah, and, and people are saying he need, he needs to be a bit more evil, or he needs to be playing more of these roles. Right, just kind of like smarty dudes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. and you've got Tony Collette, who's mostly known for doing horror movies. Um, you know, you've got a lot of these, I think a lot of these uh, actors, and of course, again, Daniel Craig wanted to do more comedy. Uh, you've got a lot of these actors who are very, very eager to, to you know, bring, not necessarily being pigeonholed, but just, you know, trying something different. And, and you know, like, I, you, I, this is so kind of funny to see Michael Shannon just playing this kind of like you know, you know, schlubby rich guy. You know, where whereas you know normally he just kind of plays these like you know, you know, crazy people. He's just you know he's you know it was I was odd playing him something close to a normal person. I mean he was he was a jerk, but you know he wasn't like you know a murderous jerk. He wasn't yeah. you know a psychotic jerk. He was just kind of a jerk. Yeah, you know, and, and it's nice to see you know, all these actors kind of, you know, going outside of characters that we normally see them play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there's just so many things that this movie gets right and, and you know, casting is, is, is one of them. Yeah, I don't know who, how many people, how many actors read for these roles or if, you know, Ryan Johnson, you know, had certain people in mind when he was, when he was, you know, writing a script, but it just, I, I'm, you know, I, I tend to pay attention to, you know, you know, well, I like this movie, but I just didn't buy this actor playing this character. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, th- this, this person isn't particularly convincing as, you know, playing this kind of, this kind of character. But here I, I didn't, you know, every, everybody seemed just right for their, for their I was going to say, if, if you could, if you could recast, who would you, who would you recast? Oh, oh gosh. Um, it's interesting to see like Tony Collette like play like a beautiful influencer type because I feel like that's not really right. She's like she's kind of like to be like the pretty woman role, you know? Yeah, but, she's kind of like playing like this like this hippie character and and uh, gosh, uh, I know that's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel like the key roles here are are, are Benoit Blanc and Marta. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you know Ana de Armas is probably about the best I could get for for 
for Marta. I think you needed someone who was, you know, a relatively unknown actor, uh, you know, someone who you know, you're not going to be distracted by having seen him in other things. And because again, she's supposed to be, you know, sort of the audience stand in the, the, you know, the, the characters are most likely to relate to and, and, you know, see the movie, see the plot through their eyes. So yeah, I think it helped to, you know, not make it a, 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 you know, a very famous person. Um, she's famous now, but she wasn't when she made the movie. Um, you know, I think it'd be kind of fun to want to to you know switch up. You know, having Tony Collette play Jamie Lee Curtis's character, well, she might not have been quite old enough for that. Yeah, um, no. Because I I don't think she she might be old enough to have an adult son, but not not uh, not an adult son Chris Evans' age. Right, right. Um, I I think that you know Chris Evans's part. You know, probably could have played been played by you know you know other you know handsome dudes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's you know, it was a, pretty, has, it was a yeah. pretty pretty generic handsome smarmy guy role, and I just think he kind of put a you know an interesting spin on it. Mm-hmm. What What about you? Have you given any thought to it? Yeah, not too much. I was going to say for Marta, I mean, she has to be Hispanic because I think it really adds something. Oh yeah, 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 and and it adds to the you know the current the current events of you know yeah the the issue of you know, quote unquote uh, um the help uh, and it's kind of the only I think the well, yeah besides like Keith Stanfield the only person of color right and then she's you know uh, I'm sure that they don't because she is she is light skinned they don't particularly think of her as a person of color yeah. Um, but you know, it, it plays into you know current events about you know the the caravan of illegal immigrants supposedly coming into the country mm-hmm. and and you know yeah oh definitely if she had been like you know, German or something it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have quite had the same effect. yeah I mean if, 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 if she was played by a Muppet I think it should be Scooter and a gender bending <laughs> <laughs> I just see that you know <laughs> now would he now would he like have a wig on or would he still be like like a, would he still be, would he just be a boy <laughs> Scooter, yeah, he'd be like a male nurse, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, uh, Scooter with a wig. Oh my goodness! Nah, nah, I now, now, obviously, Harlan would be played by either Statler or Waldorf, right? I was gonna say Sam Eagle, but maybe. <laughs> See, I don't know. I think I think Sam would be uh, one of one of Ben Watt's partners. Oh yeah, yeah maybe, maybe 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 Lakeith Stanfield. Himself, yeah, that's possible. Lakeith <laughs> Stanfield's character was always very serious the whole time. Yeah. So you know, when I think of serious, I think Sam Eagle. So that's true. That's true. Uh, I think no, I think I think uh, Benoit Blanc needs to be Gonzo. Oh <laughs> yes. And and uh, the other thing you have to put on the accent. Just just have the Gonzo voice. Oh, that's great. Wait, wait, who would Kermit? Oh, Kermit Kermit could be Blanc. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. But I feel like, like if he's going to be playing a detective, he's got to have like a little mustache. And even, even though, even though, yeah. like, even though Benoit doesn't have a mustache, I just feel right. like Kermit would need a yeah. mustache. I don't, I don't know yeah. why. I just, I just yeah. feel this. I think this is possible. Um, and I guess um, we already said in an earlier episode that Miss Piggy would play uh, Linda, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. <laughs> yeah. um, so obviously, the choice for uh, Joni, uh, Tony Klutz's character, would be um, Janice from from. Um, from uh, the Electric Mayhem. It has to be, yeah. It has to be the the hippy dippy yes. character. Yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic! That's what that's what the sequel needs to be. That's it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, Fozzie can be uh, uh, Noah Segan's character, uh, Benoit's other uh, other partner. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I like this. I, I, I think we should run with this. Um, uh, all right. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to add about this minute? Um, gosh, yeah, this is right. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, where she's being interrogated, I mean, that's right in front of the knives. I mean, oh, yeah, all the characters get a, get a spin in front of the, 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 in, in the knife chair. The knife chair, yeah. I, I, I like the knife chair. I mean, I could see, you know, it, it, interesting, like, we're, you know, infringing on someone else's minute, but but it always amazes me, like, when uh, when Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Linda, is being interviewed, she's just very, like, you couldn't, like, butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. She is icy cool. And, mm-hmm. and she just, like, not intimidated by the fact that she is surrounded by knives, you know, not intimidated by the fact that these, you know, detectives are trying to figure out, you know, who killed her father. It's just, you know, this whole framing, you know, she looks like a character in Game of Thrones. Which I like was going to say, it looks very Game of Thrones, yeah. Right, with this, like, knife wall, and she's just kind of sitting there, sort of like, you know, you know, staring down everyone, you know. It's just such a great moment. So, whoever has this moment, I'm sorry, we, we, we poached a little bit, but it's it's such a great shot, and I love it. I love the knife wall. can't get enough of it. I want one in my own house. Um, uh, Alice, where, what else do you do online these days? Online these days, right? Um, let's see. Well, I, I usually watch TikTok, but I have a few TikToks on at Podcast Socialite. Uh, sometimes I'm on Twitter at Pod Socialite. My Facebook is Alice Lauren, and I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I do have uh, an on hiatus podcast that I was a panelist on called the Now You've Seen It podcast. We basically talk about movies with a guest who's never seen the movie. A lot of time it also happens to me, me as a panelist. But I was uh, I was actually um, I switched and was a guest on. Uh, on the podcast just because I had never seen Die Hard. So I saw Die Hard for the first time, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah, I love to talk about movies. Come follow me on social media and talk to me. So you're basically constantly podcasting, then. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should be more than I, yeah, I should be more than I do now. I was going to say, that's a lot, that's a lot of podcasting. <laughs> I, I, only, I only co-host one, and I'm like, that's enough, man. You know, I'll do I'll do occasional like 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 guest spots like here, but man, that's a lot. God bless you. <laughs> um, if you want to follow Knives Out on Twitter and you aren't already, you can go to Knives Out Minute um, or uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to us on the podcatcher of your choice, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies. Uh, we will be back for our final episode of the week. Uh, I'm Gina, and I've been talking with Alice.